0: You're listening to Wholehearted, a Soul Sister Conversation. You're here with healer and intuitive Donna Lee Wynan, life coach Prue Solisic and women's empowerment artist Tanya Marie Reeves. Together we are navigating life on purpose. We're pushing boundaries, being imperfect and unstoppable. Join in the conversation by being a part of the Facebook group and connect with your own Soul Sisters. We are here to inspire and encourage you to live fully into your own life to be the compassionate observer of your thoughts and feelings, and to make a conscious choice to change what is in your power to change. We are so happy to have you here. Hi. Hi. Hello. 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 (laughs) Welcome to Wholehearted. We've got a great conversation for you today. We've got a special guest, which we're very happy to have here, and we've been looking at having her on for a little while. So welcome, Natasha Godfrey. How are you? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. Divine timing, I think. I think so. Yes, exactly. No, it's going to be really helpful. I know our community, which is around 500 people, I reckon, about now, and everybody is keen for this conversation. We've been putting out questions for people, people have been telling stories, and so we're getting a gauge on what people want to hear. And- Mostly our community is women. So as you can understand, we're all going through something in our health, health journey, our womanly health health journey, that is. <laughs> and yeah, always got plenty of questions because we were just having a conversation prior to getting on and we are saying most of our community are possibly our age and older. There are people that are younger as well. And so we're in our mid to late 40s and late 50s. And so our community is that. And I know a lot of us have like daughters as well that maybe are starting this journey um, or into the journey already and having problems and, yeah, people seeking solutions that aren't just medical. So this is going to be a great conversation to have with you. So Natasha Godfrey is a women's health naturopath and mindset coach and she specializes in helping women from adolescence through to menopause to achieve optimal physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's just get straight into it. Tell us, how did this journey start for you? Like, how did you decide that this
1: is what you wanted to do? Yeah, great question, Prue. So my journey really began, I guess you could say, during childhood. My mum was very much into natural health, very much avoidant of the typical Western medical model a lot of the times. So growing on that up in that sort of a household really sort of drove me onto this path. That was sort of the stepping stone towards where I, where I got to. Growing up, you know, the first thing that happens during teenage years is you get slapped on birth control. So that was me after, you know, a few traumatic events, I ended up on birth control. And I was just on it because that's what we were taught to do, go on mm-hmm. birth control, you can avoid pregnancy. You don't have a period Which, when I was younger, I thought that was fabulous. I thought it was amazing because my previous mindset around having a period was it's a burden, right? And a lot of women probably listening to this can probably relate to that as well. You know, in the past, I used to see it as such a burden. Oh my God, I've got to have a bleed every month. It's annoying. It's inconvenient. What if I want to go swimming? What if I want to wear certain clothes? So on and so forth. So that's where my sort of journey began there. And I sort of used and abused contraception for years and years and years. Um, and when I was age 16, I actually went to the doctors with some health concerns. I was having pains in my uterus, um, where my, on my left and right side of my ovary. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And I'm from a family of six. So my mom loves babies. She's very fertile. She's never had any issues with reproductive health. And so she was quite worried. And we went to the GP at this point in time and he ended up diagnosing me with PCOS at this point in time. And he also mentioned to me within the consult that I'd likely never be able to have children. And in that moment, I was 16. I had no idea. I wasn't worried about having children at that point in my life. And the only thing that was really concerning to me at that point was the look on my mom's face she was in horror, you know, a mom of six children, hoping that her daughters also have children, so on and so forth. And then the blessing of having children as well and having that choice sort of taken away from you at such a young age. I didn't really take it on as much at that point in my life. I was like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't really affect me too much. However, as time went on and as I've aged, uh, I, it sort of started to really unpack and uncrumble for me. So then eventually I came off contraception and I started to study naturopathy. So that's where my health journey started. And I started to learn some of the things that I was told, some of the things that I had heard were just not true. And there was all this misinformation around reproductive health, fertility, how to avoid pregnancy, so on and so forth. There was just all this Bullshit is the best word to use for it around that. And there was such lack of education around women's health. You know, my mum had no idea about women's health or how to track your cycle or all the ins yeah. and outs of things like that. She only knew what she knew. Yeah. She could yeah. get pregnant if she if she, you know, in her sleep if she wanted yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> Blink and I went, I'd like to have another baby and boom. Yeah, yeah she's <laughs> fine. And so she never had any issues with it. So she wasn't able to pass down that knowledge to me, right? Mm. And if you aren't around people that know this type of education and knowledge, then the first thing that you do is you go to the GP or you get on contraception or you try the specific medical model. But none of that was working for me. There was no treatment for the issues that I had. That was sort of the turning point for me, wanting more and wanting answers. Through my journey, I've come to realize that I was actually misdiagnosed during that point. And it's something that I don't believe is my journey anymore. And I do believe that I am highly fertile. My period is textbook now, and I don't have any reproductive conditions anymore, all treated through natural medicine. Amazing. And so for those that are listening,
0: PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome. As (laughs) further from that, I don't know anything much about it, except, you know, just a little bits and pieces. Um, But yeah, so happy that you actually you found that you don't have that and you were misdiagnosed which i can imagine happens to so many girls actually my daughter stella has been diagnosed with that so yeah. interesting yeah. is it just and tell tell me why in your opinion the the health system does just like give out these diagnoses like easily like that
1: what what do yeah. you think Definitely multiple factors. Our general practitioners are under the pump. They're expected to, and I hold them at their highest regard. They've done years and years of studies. They're super knowledgeable and and everything like that. However, they're under the pump. They're expected to diagnose someone in seven minutes. You're in and out quite quickly. And for me, in my consultations, I have clients for an hour and a half for their initial consultation. In seven minutes, you can barely scratch the surface with clients So they're very much under the pump. They're expected to know so much health Mm -hmm. knowledge um, that it makes things really difficult. And they're not specialized in certain fields, reality. And when it does come to women's reproductive health, they don't have a lot of pharmaceutical medications that can actually help and treat these conditions. And Mm -hmm. that's the issue. That's a real issue because a general practitioner, what's in their toolbox, either you refer someone or they give you a pharmaceutical medication. Right. Mm -hmm. And for reproductive health, what have they got for young young women or even you know menopause, fertility? What do they mm. have? They don't have a very broad toolbox, right? All mm. they've got for younger women is contraception, fertility, IVF. You know, maybe metformin if you if you've got PCOS, but you know, there's not much treatment for these specific conditions. So I feel like they may be feeling like they're a bit backed into a corner and they don't really have much to give you. So that could be another contributing factor as well. So that's why. You know, natural medicine, naturopaths, nutritionists, other different healthcare practitioners can really help support and bridge these gaps where the Western medical model may not be able to. No, you yeah,
0: know, that's good. And I love that, you know, you said that you hold them in the highest regard because Absolutely. I do too. Like, there's no way that I'm giving back modern medicine. <laughs> Yet, I want to know other things as well. I don't want it just to be a pharmaceutical model and, mm. yeah, to go down that path. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy that yeah, you're one of these people that is like, hey, there's actually a different way. Possibly try this. You yeah. know, it doesn't never says that you're never going to have pharmaceuticals again, but it's just like there's alternatives out there and choice is brilliant. It's so yeah. brilliant to have choice. Mm.
2: So this, is, this is where, like I've heard you talking about um you wanting to change the paradigm between sick care and health care. And mm-hmm.
1: this this is the gap.
2: This is the gap that you speak of. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 100% because general practice, western medicine, they are really really good at sick care and we absolutely need them. We absolutely need them. Everyone in the western medical model work their ass off and I hold all of them at the highest regard, right? And one thing is they're great at sick care, emergency care. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you've got renal cancer, if you've got you know, late stage chronic diseases, Uh, you know, you've just been in a car accident, these types of issues, they're fantastic with Mm. absolutely fantastic. And I would never be able to do any of these. And I would never, you know, want to, (laughs) that's not my stage of care, right? I'm more looking at clients, maybe with acute care, even sometimes chronic care, whether it's, you know, autoimmune gut issues, reproductive stuff, things like that, that they don't have medicine for, or they don't have that strategy for. Right. Mm. So When we're talking about the Western medical model, absolutely. I still refer clients to GPs or certain practitioners, professionals outside of my scope. So it's okay giving them the clients around, okay, if you're more in a chronic state or, you know, that you do actually need pharmaceutical medication for or further assistance. However, we need to bridge the gap between something that's more acute, between that acute stage and preventative stage as well. So we want to get things early. I always always I'm preaching that so that preventative acute stage and it can also be sort of at that chronic stage so bridging that gap between that because if you're sick or maybe you've got an irregular period you've got PCOS even chronic conditions like endometriosis you know a naturopath's fantastic for those types of things Mm -hmm. however GP is not so great they don't have a lot of tools for those types of things right Mm -hmm. so it's bridging that gap between those sorts of things and knowing who is best for me right now Yeah? yeah and it might be a combination of both
2: yeah. And that's such a that's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? To be able to use everything and, and for you guys to work together for that natural side in Western medicine. Unfortunately, a lot of um doctors and you know people who work in Western medicine don't see that,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, which is really unfortunate.
1: Yeah. And that's that's where the divide is as well, is that especially in Australia, some there is some great GPs that, that Are open to working with naturopaths. But just like every profession, there's going to be shit naturopaths as there's great naturopaths. There's going to be less good doctors as there is good doctors. So it's really just finding a GP, finding a naturopath, finding that health practitioner that you can really value or that you respect in their knowledge and their abilities to help treat specific conditions. So it's really finding and bridging that gap. I've got a good relationship with a few doctors on the Gold Coast that are really open to working with naturopaths and really valuing and actually respecting their level of knowledge and awareness around certain conditions. Um, But I think in the past there's probably been, you know, some of whether it's ego, whether it's, you know, not valuing other professions and things like that, or not seeing their value in understanding certain health conditions, et cetera, why there is that inability to work together. It's working against each other. So it's, it's a tricky thing. And it's, I definitely think it might be a progressive thing over time because in my view, there's room for absolutely everyone and if what you're doing is working and helping your clients then so be it whether it's meditation, whether it's natural medicine, whether it's pharmaceuticals or a combination of many things. Fabulous. If it's working then I that's my personal opinion if it works, do it.
0: Perfect. And I noticed that, you know, well and this is where I met you through coaching and so as well as being a naturopath and you're also a mindset coach, So how do you combine these two modalities to support each other?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in my experience, and I've done a lot of research into traditional Chinese medicine, so I actually did a masterclass on this the other night, which is perfect timing, is around the emotional body because we're in a state of stress, especially if we're in a state of chronic stress, what's happening is we're in a state of fight or flight, yeah, and there's going to be lots of inflammation happening in the body. And in traditional Chinese medicine, what we usually see is if we're in that chronic state of stress, inflammation, and that can be mental, physically, physical, emotional stress, that usually resonates in different organs in the body. So whether it's say anger, resentment, that's usually liver, gallbladder, whether it's grief, if we're talking about the heart, you know, we've got all these different emotions resonating in different organs of the body. And I've utilized it in practice in a way that if people have certain health conditions, I will usually correlate it and see if there's any sort of emotional aspect to it. So there's a story I'd love to tell you in regards yeah, to that. So, please. yeah, is that right? Yes, it's very anecdotal. There's not a lot of research into the emotional body and how it resonates in the in a physical aspect. And the reason behind that is because it's really hard to get uh, quantitative da- data that is from emotions because it's sub- yeah. emotions are tangible. Sub- Yeah. Emotions are subjective and everyone is variable. It's super variable. So it's like impossible to try and create a scientific research around that. So it's really hard. Um, So that's why there's not a lot of research around it in comparison to other things. However, in my practice, anecdotally, I have seen a lot of correlations and I did it on the masterclass the other night. And a lot of people were really resonating with the certain emotional aspects and potential physical presentations. Yeah. And it's not the be all and end all. There's always multiple things when we're looking at everything holistically. Mm -hmm. So this journey for me sort of started when I was in student clinic. I was still studying, doing all the things. And I had one of a, a gentleman come in at that point in time, and he came in and he'd had a triple bypass surgery. So heart surgery, one of the most you know, intensive heart surgery she can get. So he had triple bypass, he developed type 1 diabetes, he had high cholesterol, high blood pressure. He had the works of cardiovascular issues, probably the worst of the worst you can get. I was trying to piece together, okay, well, what was the catalyst? What was the contributing factors that caused this issue? Yeah. Was it, you know, a lifetime of shit diet, you know, drinking, smoking, et cetera, all the things. And he said, "No, I I had the triple bypass when I was age thirty-eight, which is very, very young to have that type Mm -hmm. of surgery. Usually, you don't see that type of surgery, you know, late fifties, sixties, yeah, older, Mm. older, yeah, very. Usually, in the older generation, anything cardiovascular is usually developing over years, um, typically, in a typical sense. However, what had happened a year prior to the development of these surgeries, prior, who was very healthy, young, fit dude, you know." children, typical sort of stresses of a 38-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. And a year before the surgery and everything that had happened is he was actually in a major car accident with his wife, where he was at fault and his wife had passed away. And when we're looking at the heart, anything to do with the heart, the heart's love and security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what he was experiencing there after the accident, that he was at fault, was a lot of shock, grief, and sadness, which is all very much associated with the heart. Mm-hmm. And that moment that I, that I pieced together that, that big emotional transition from, from that experience has been a contributing factor to his disease state, which Mm -hmm. was massive for him because prior to that quite healthy dude, you know, low levels of stress, ate well, exercised, did all the Mm -hmm. things and it developed out of nowhere within, within that year span. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It might've been developing before that. We don't know. However, if we're sort of looking at the timeline of events, that big emotional event in someone's life, things like that mm-hmm. can have massive impact on the body, especially, you know, that guilt and and the shock of losing your partner and being and potentially hypothetically being at fault for it as well if you were the driver. So he's yeah. very much holding on to that. And even when I saw him, which was 20 years later after this experience, mm-hmm. was he still very much holding on to the shock and the sadness and the grief of losing mm-hmm. his wife 20 years yeah. later which is understandable, right? Yeah. But he was still experiencing really chronic cardiovascular issues. So that was the route that we sort of went down was to help him emotionally transition through this to help support the physical body. Because sometimes you can throw all the pharmaceuticals, you can throw all the natural medicine at someone and if they're still resonating at you know a low vibrational state or they're holding on to guilt, shame, sadness, anger, these types of emotions, then that may, might be that rate limiting factor to mm. succeeding with your treatment plan. And I see this very, very often. It doesn't mean it happens to all clients, but I do see it with some clients if there is that rate limiting factor, that stressor there, that might be that thing that's hindering progress in your treatment.
0: Yes. And so, yeah, so important to connect those dots. Ooh. Most people are oblivious to the emotions, how emotions are held in the body. Actually, I'm just going to share this story about my grandmother. She's 92 now, but when she was 60 and I was only having this conversation with her just after Mother's Day, I think, and I knew she had had a heart attack. And so I said to her, you know, tell me about your heart attack man. When, why did it happen? What was, what happened? And she said, well, actually, I don't think it had anything to do with her health overall, she said, but a shock of news. And she said, I, you know, my family had left to go drive back to their hometown and she was in the shower. And then her brother-in-law came over and said, Thelma, I've got, I've got some news. You need to get out of the shower. I need to tell you something. And in that moment, she thought of her daughter and son-in-law and their two children traveling back thinking that they actually had an accident and so she went into like this state of like complete worry and she got out of the shower and her brother-in-law said to her, Thelma, your nephew has suddenly passed away. So it was somebody else. There was a death, but it was her nephew. And she said, I immediately felt relieved. She said, but then after I felt relieved, I felt so much guilt for feeling relieved. That it was my son, my, my nephew, not my kid's. And she said she carried that guilt. And she said after that, that's when she had her first heart attack.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Otherwise, she was very healthy up until that moment in time. And and she said, and she, like, she was like, yes, definitely it was an emotional heart attack. And I was like, ah, huh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know, like You
3: see a lot of this working with the body as well. You know, yeah, doing- yeah, I was just sitting here going, yep, this is the body keeps, it's not that it keeps a score, it's, it is, you know, 80 trillion to 100 trillion cells and cells hold memory. And like this week, even in clinic, you know, this there's this lady has been through an incident with, you know, domestic violence and children and court and whatever. And when we, you know, I was just spending time with her going, what, because I could feel something. And I said to her, I said, you were in love with this man you know, so you've been through all this stuff. And as soon as we said, you were in love with this man, she just released and you could, the whole body completely changed. And, you know, it's just reminding her that that, that was actually, that's part of it, you know, and then you've had to deal with all this trauma. So it was like giving her permission to actually have a breath space and go to reassess and you know, go to that space and go, well, yeah, I did love him. And this is, this is what's happened, but it just puts it into context. And it gives the body, I mean, I see it all the time. It gives the body space to realign itself, to have permission to actually feel those things. Yeah, Because sometimes you know, we're we're told not to be guilty. We're told not to be angry. And what does the body do? <laughs> its natural fight, flight, freeze <laughs> response is to protect. It's going to do protection. Number one, that's that's the number one thing. We're not even thinking about relaxation when we're doing the number one survival. So, yes, Tanya, I do see it a lot. And to be able to help people shift those types of energy that are stored in their body it's like giving themselves permission to allow that space to heal so it totally makes sense Natasha Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Natasha's favorite thing to say at all her at the end of all her posts is you can't heal in the same environment that made you sick which I've actually got that quote written here (laughs) yeah
1: yes yeah it's massive it's it's totally massive and In naturopathic medicine, we're looking at things holistically. So I'm never just asking someone about their bowel motions, their gut, their reproductive system. I'm also asking about, okay, what's your lifestyle look like? How's your relationship with your partner? How's your, you know, when was the last time you spoke to your mom or your dad? You know, do you have a good support system around you? When was the last time you actually took time out for yourself? Asking these things. And nine times out of 10, even in my just my naturopathic consults, clients are crying. Yeah. There's such a big emotional aspect to our health that a lot of the times we disregard or we think that we go to a naturopath and we're not going to be talking about our emotions or we're going to a GP and we don't talk about our emotions and things like this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see with sometimes when clients come to me, because I do have understanding of the emotional body is that we do speak about those sorts of things because we're speaking about, I ask about your mental health. I ask about your stress. And then we go into a little bit more of you know, how are you actually? Like, how are you actually? Oh God,
0: that question, how are you when you're not feeling so good? That's the question that just opens the (laughs) floodgates.
3: Yep. (laughs) And I think, you know, with what you've been talking about with the medical profession and in no, in no criticism, human beings are connected. And so if we, if there's no feeling of support and safety, I mean, that's, that's the first thing that we that I offer in my space is just that you're providing a space that is safe and and if they're not getting support in other areas or they're not being able to get the answers that they're seeking that that also takes a toll on their body and then they they actually forget that they've got the capacity to realign and self correct so no wonder they do burst into tears or you know feel like their nervous system can release because it's the the body. We hear bodies, we feel bodies, we know bodies. Yeah, bodies love to be heard, felt, and seen. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Natasha Donnelly is does orthobionomy. If you know that, yeah, modality, and and she's she's so much more than that. But that's just put some context into that little statement as well. Oh, yeah, so okay, I'm interested to know is there like a number one question or problem that people come to you with? Like, do you see like a I think that is reoccurring through a lot of people.
1: Women in particular, I think. Yeah. Oh, good question. I tend to see a lot of women that have lost their period. I see a lot of reproductive issues, infertility, gut health issues, thyroid issues. Those are usually the biggest things for women, I see. Okay. Very, very common. Although those are the leading, the leading things that women want help with. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I say leading, but those are the issues that they can, that they're aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, there's likely some issues that they aren't aware of that may be, you know, the root cause of what's actually going on. So those those are the big things that I usually see. Yes.
0: I know. I asked someone a question the other day, they've got diverticulitis, mm-hmm. and, which I know is inflammation in the bowel. Like I do know a little bit about it, but I, then I was like, what do you reckon the root cause of the inflammation is? And they're like, well, it's diverticulitis. And I'm like, yeah, but is there a root cause to that? Oblivious has no idea. It's like, no, it's just diverticulitis. And that's it. No root cause. That's just it. And I'm thinking, that's mostly how most people think. While me, I'm like, no, I know there's an underlying reason that that's happening.
1: Mm. Yeah, 100%. And that's always the question that you should ask when you've got any type of health issue is, okay, yes, I may have this. What's the root cause of this? Mm, Yeah. mm. Because a lot of the times, whether it's a condition, disease, whatever it is, there's something that's caused that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. There's something that that is the root cause that has contributed to it. There might be a couple of things that may be contributing factors to it as well. So even when we're talking about diverticulitis, has it been from you know, a chronic systemic inflammation, has it been from a gut infection? Is it from intestinal permeability? You know, where, where is that factor, you know, and those things have many contributing factors, whether it be stress, whether it be poor diet, whether it be um, gluten sensitivity, whether it be, you know, alcohol, drugs, so on and so forth. So it's really finding that root cause and then all the contributing factors to that. And that's how you really get that root cause treatment and actually can improve and heal from certain issues. Yeah. So you're like a
0: detective, right, for health, (laughs) for the body. Yeah. Um, That's how I see it as. It's like, yeah, there's so many variables of what it could be and each individual is different Mm -hmm. um, and you've got to just start from the top and work your way backwards basically to figure out what's what's going on.
1: Yeah, 100%.
3: Yeah, I've got a question and I'm always aware of the audience. So there may be people in the audience that don't really understand what a naturopath does. Mm-hmm. And the couple of my questions that I was thinking about was and it's and I'm not expecting an answer but it's just the ballpark kind of thing. We seem to have so much more um gut issues in our modern day world. The other question I had was so it's in relevance one about why naturopathy gut health and how do you go about if there's such a vast array of stuff that that can be contributing, how does someone when they come to you know that they're going to maybe get a bit of clarity on their problem if there's such a vast area to cover? So I'd like to know a little bit about that.
1: Great question. Very loaded question. So exactly. <laughs> like Pru said one of my favorite quotes is you can't heal in the environment that made you sick. So a lot of people when they're sick, they will usually just go to the GP because the GP will just give them a band aid approach or they'll just give them a medication and they're on their merry way and this one medication's gonna fix my whole life. Yeah. It's like um the big weight loss weight loss is always a big thing in society and currently it's been Ozempic is the new weight loss drug and You know, everyone's like, okay, cool. Instead of actually treating what got me here or that created me being in an overweight state, instead of actually doing that, I'm just going to take Ozempic and get skinny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, So that's one, the number one thing is changing people's mindset from going from that approach and thinking that one thing's just going to fix everything because natural medicine is not that. If someone comes to me and they're in that mindset, I will actually turn them away because I cannot help them. Mm-hmm. I, I am not the practitioner for you because if you're not willing to put in the time and effort over a long period of time to actually improve these health outcomes and to change your lifestyle because the environment that you, that you have created has caused you to become sick so if you're not willing to do those two things then i can't help you you're better off going to a gp and getting a medication that may or may not help you and that's the harsh truth and that's just the reality and i'm i'm not someone that beats around the bush because the naturopath there you know it is an investment you are having to, going to have to invest time money and energy into yourself mm-hmm. and you're gonna to have to change things you're gonna to have to change your habits yeah you're gonna to have to do things that you've never actually done before probably circling back to your question in regards to if someone's got a lot of things going on so I had a client recently that's got a lot of things going on and a lot of people do most people don't just come to me with one issue and no one's perfect nor am I right especially health wise no one's perfect mm-hmm. so This client came to me recently and her number one issue was insomnia. She's been suffering chronic insomnia for a long time. And that was her main thing. She's like, if I could fix anything out of my 10 things, yeah, and not Mm -hmm. everyone's got 10 things, it's just like if I could fix everything out of these 10 things, it'd be my insomnia. I was like, okay, cool. So we were trying to get to the root cause of the insomnia. She's also got hypothyroidism and some other issues going on and she's on some medication. So there was a lot of things, a lot of moving parts already, which makes things a little bit more challenging. Yeah, it means Uh a little bit more time as well. So we were trying to get the root cause of what was going on and something just wasn't right. And I was trying to find, and I was being that investigator, like Prue was saying, and I kept coming to sort of a bit of a brick wall because I was giving her some treatment things that would just help symptomatically just for a couple of weeks while we get some testing done and so on and so forth. And things started to get a little bit worse. And I thought, oh no, this is not good. And I was like, what's missing? And I ratted my brain trying to figure out what was this rate limiting factor that we were missing. And I was trying to find this piece. And I was, I was thinking, you know, sometimes you question your your own abilities sometimes, because sometimes you get some really challenging clients. Mm-hmm. And it, sometimes clients don't tell you everything, right? Even mm-hmm. though maybe you've asked all the questions, you've done all your due diligence, all the things, you've tried to find different option. I gave her a few different options that didn't work. And we were on the, wondering, okay, what is this? And then a week later, she seen one of my posts on Instagram and she messaged me and said, Hey, I've also got this other condition that I was too embarrassed to tell you last time. Could this be contributing to everything? And I said, <laughs> yes, absolutely. This is the missing piece that I needed. Yeah. So- Sometimes when we're looking at health issues, it's like medical triage in Western medicine. It's like, okay, what's going to give us the biggest bang for the buck? And number one, what's actually going to give the client the biggest relief? Mm. Because when we are talking about gut health or chronic health conditions or getting your period back or supporting any hormonal issues, whatever it is, it takes time, especially gut health. Gut health can take six to 12 to 18 to 24 months to fully heal. You'll get some improvement, like initially within the first month or two, absolutely. However, when we're talking about regenerating cells in your in your gut lining, if they've been severely damaged, if you've got like a paracellular um, intestinal permeability, then that takes time. Absolutely Mm -hmm. takes time. So it's knowing that if you're working with a health practitioner, that you are in it for the long run, and that you do have to make these changes over time. So it's coming back to that: is what's going to be the the biggest, what's going to make the biggest difference for this client in the beginning. So we can see some results so we can improve their quality of life in the beginning. Because if someone's not sleeping, if someone's got low energy, if someone's just got really low vitality, then Mm -hmm. I need to help them with that first before we even worry about, you know, hormonal issues, before we even worry about, you know, other different things that may not be impacting them as much right now. So I need to help you feel better before we go diving deep into all the other little nooks and crannies. Yeah, because otherwise, you know, clients are just going to be like, it's not working or you might not get the instant gratification that we need in today's society with our dopamine (laughs) epidemic, um, all these things. So number one is always finding what the client wants to improve first and, and seeing how much improvement you can get on that first making sure that you're actually feeling better. because A lot of clients I see have got like really low iron and stuff like that. So they're struggling to get out of bed or if you're not sleeping and stuff like that. So just making sure the foundations of health are really good. You're pooping every day. Your liver is working well. You're eating good food. You're looking at the foundations of health first. That's what I always love to do with clients, addressing nutrient deficiencies, so on and so forth before diving into the more complicated stuff because more complicated stuff takes a little bit of time to overcome. Mm -hmm. And usually when we do the foundational stuff, that will help support all the other stuff indirectly anyway. So where our body's not working in isolation, the different organs aren't in isolation, they're all working in synergy together at the same time. So even when we're working on your sleep, your energy or, you know, absorbing of nutrients or, you know, looking at your diet and stuff like this, even when we're doing those things foundationally, they're going to indirectly help all the other bodily processes as well. Yes.
2: Mm. It's something we really all need to jump on board with, isn't it? Taking that time because we all want, we all just want shit to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And not mm-hmm. only do we want shit to just be fixed, we've grown up with Western medicine telling us that it will just be fixed. Like, yeah. Yeah,
1: like, take a pill. Yeah, yep. take, take a pill, a pill everything. This everything will fix start. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not the reality and that's an issue that i have seen among you know is some naturopaths even some integrative gps is that they just throw out supplements on supplements on supplements and if your lifestyle is shit if your lifestyle is shit no amount of supplements is you can't out supplement a shit lifestyle yeah if you're not if you're not exercising if you're not getting any sun if you've got toxic relationships If you're in a job that you hate, Mm -hmm. like you can't like your stress levels are gonna just be burning through those nutrients anyway, you're not gonna be absorbing your food, your digestion's gonna be off. So you really have to look at your lifestyle and how is that a reflection of your health? Because a lot of a lot of people, you know, if we speak on, you know, men in trades or women in, you know, or anyone in office jobs or stuff like that, if you're in an environment every day that you hate or you're living in a household that is it serving you then that's the biggest factor that you need to change first before taking a damn supplement in my opinion
0: oh yeah absolutely yes and so it's about the empowerment piece mm. you know which we we love empowering women to actually know what they want and actually look after themselves first like put themselves first and this is the perfect example like how many women would want to come and see you but are too scared to invest the time or all the money that it would take to actually follow through with this and the emotional roller coaster that it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's very, yeah. very scary for many women. I saw something briefly with Gold Goldie Horn from a few years ago saying, yeah, we need to have women making more money because this is a big factor of it. You know, women that are having to rely on men for finances are not allowing us women to be empowered enough to actually go out and get the health advice that we need to, you know, do all the things and Goldie Horn did it in beautiful Goldie Horn style. Yeah. It's a great reminder that it is actually the empowerment piece as well. Finances is a a big part of it, isn't it? I mean,
2: actually a big part of the reason I don't do a lot of things like that. Like I'd love to, you know, spend more time with a naturopath, spend more time with Donnelly, have more massages, (laughs) Mm. like things like this, but I do put those things aside because financially it's uh it seems more like a something that is a pleasure rather than something that is important to do.
0: Not necessity, which and and it's so funny because really it is. It should be the first thing that we do. (laughs) (laughs) Understand that. It's so true. That's how most people see it. And the and the whole mindset behind Going seeing a naturopath. I know I've had conversations just recently in my family about going seeing a naturopath for my my daughter, um, my youngest daughter, who's having really crippling period pain. And I'm like, this is not normal. Like we need to go figure this out. She's only 13. And my husband's favorite saying, because I I love trying all a few things that are a bit more alternative rather than always jumping on pharmaceutical stuff, which was very evident this week because I had a finger infection. <laughs> bizarrely. And I kept trying all these alternative things. And then eventually it got so bad. I'm like, oh, I've got to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor and he's like, here, have this antibiotics. And I was like, I don't want the antibiotics. I didn't actually fill the script. And it was funny. I put the the ointment on first. And then I was like, oh, I'm really going to have to have these antibiotics. It's not getting better. And Joel says to me, So your woo-woo snake oil's not working. <laughs> no it's not unfortunately but that's how that's how his mindset is and possibly all the people around him and possibly all the people around him as well and in my family it's the same so doing something alternative is really left field and so everyone's like it's weird it's woo-woo but I'm like no we've got to make this more like more normal it's actually how it should start opposed to how it starts right now but it all comes back to patience,
3: and we've been conditioned to quick fix. You know, I'm I'm a holistic healer, and I and there's still that want to be fixed in a moment, like it's it's in our systems, you know. So to to spend longer pretending with your infected finger that it might take you you know seven or eight days to get it better through you know perseverance, cleaning it, whatever. We just don't. We don't do it because we don't we don't value ourselves enough. I think mm. it's not until you're on your deathbed and that you've got maybe cancer that you actually go, oh well, I'll try that alternative medicine now.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. You yes, know,
3: we, exactly. we go to the nth degree. But anyway, yeah. I'm sure Natasha's got an opinion on that.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, definitely,
1: patience. definitely. And and one big thing in my practice is teaching people how to actually connect with their body. And mm. it's a big thread that I see, especially in young women coming off contraception. It's mm. a, that's the big time that I usually coach women through that phase and learning how to tune in with their body. Like, what what is my body actually wanting from me? What am I craving? What am I feeling in my body? Am I feeling ovulation? Did I just feel my egg being released from my ovary? Feeling yeah. into these things and actually being like, okay, what's actually going on? So one, knowing the actual physical sensation in the body but then also knowing the science behind it as well. So it's bridging that gap between that, that woo-woo that Prue was talking about and the actual science because yeah. naturopathic medicine, sure, back 50, 100, 200 years ago, there was no scientific backing. However, now in our today's day and age, there is plenty of scientific research for the specific herbs and nutrients that we use for, for specific conditions as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of scientific research behind it as well. So there's this big transition that's coming and um, going ahead in regards to that. So absolutely, sometimes you will need antibiotics if you've got an infection. No, no naturopathic medicine is going to help you. If you've got an infection that could potentially lead to sepsis or you know another co-infection or something like that, you need mm. antibiotics. However, however, if you've got a viral infection or you know you've got something else that's going on, you do not need antibiotics. If you've got you know, yeah. specific conditions, they're absolutely given out a little bit, you know, over, they're over prescribed for sure. And for the wrong thing sometimes, yeah. however, you know, for, for acne, acne is a great example. Mm. You do not need antibiotics for acne. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a big one that I see all the time. Mm. However, for an infection, yes, you do. Yes. Or if you've just had a surgery or something like that. Absolutely. Get the antibiotics and then we'll mop mop it up afterwards and we'll help replenish the gut after the antibiotics or during as well. But that's the difference is knowing knowing when to use Western medicine and knowing when to use naturopathic medicine because everything has a place in this world. Absolutely. Everything has a place. It wouldn't exist if it didn't have a place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. I love that. Mopping it up afterwards. Okay. So you got to tell me now. How do I keep my gut intact while I'm having antibiotics?
1: It depends what you've had the antibiotics for. Is it an infection? Is it for your gut? Like one, it depends what it's for. It depends what type of antibiotic you're using. So obviously there's different types of antibiotics for different things. Mm. So knowing that is really important. And the pharmacokinetics of the drug is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can use probiotics at the set simultaneously. Some people say to use them. Some people don't say to use them. You could do that. And then doing a little bit of gut repair after it as well. So just healing that gut lining, replenish replenishing the bacteria as well back into the gut, supporting, you know, glutamine, zinc, things like this um, can really help support vitamin A, cod liver oil is a really good one, things like this, just a really gentle approach after it. Um, maybe some spore probiotics, something like this, can help support the gut as well. And yeah. just making sure that your digestion as well is happening every day because sometimes after um, any sort of antibiotics, you can cause constipation, so on and so forth. So just making sure that passing bowel motion every day is important as well.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Okay, and I, because we have got daughters and they possibly are going to have daughters and there's women that are going to be listening to this that have daughters. I know there was one person in our comment that they were talking about their daughters going into puberty. What would you, and if they're having pain like Eloise is, what would you say? What would you say to do? Like come and see you have a a thorough investigation of that because it's not normal, right?
1: Yeah. So period pain, severe PMS, all these kinds of types of signs and symptoms are not normal. At a very very low level, like very minimal, you should have very minimal symptoms. You shouldn't need to take pain relief. You shouldn't be bedridden. You shouldn't need to take a day off school, all these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So as a woman, the typical sort of 28-day cycle, we are going to have ebbs and flows. We're going to have time of more energy during that follicular phase, during ovulation, then that luteal phase. We may be a little bit more lethargic. We may you know, want a bit more extra food, stuff like this, but it should never be unbearable or to the point where you're complaining to your mom or- your
0: tears. Mom.
1: Yeah. Tears, so on and so yeah. forth. It should never be like that. And a lot of young women do get disregarded by GPs yes. or period yes. pain. Period pain is, is, is real, especially if you've got, you know, endo or things like this, it's actually worse than childbirth. The pain that women experience, especially with conditions like endometriosis, something to take seriously. Absolutely. So I'd be number one looking at, okay, well, what does your period look like? I've been on contraception, you know, when did your period start? How old were you? Because You know, the typical sort of age is around that 12, 13-year-old mark. If we're not getting our period to 15, 16, 17, so on, we need to look at that as well. So how old were you when you first got your period? What does your period currently look like? you know, how long is your period? Is it around 28 days? Is it shorter? Is it longer? Are you ovulating is a massive part, like knowing if someone's ovulating, you know, do you have cervical mucus during the middle of the month? You know, do you have an increased libido? Do you have increased energy tracking these sorts of things? So mm-hmm. is really, really important. And then what's the quality of the bleed? Are you getting cramping, bloating, pain, headaches, sore breasts? Like what type of pain are you getting? Cause these can all indicate different things. So it depends if is there ovulatory pain, is there pain just before the period, is it during the period as well? And then rating sort of the severity um, with things like that. But for a young girl, the main things that I would be looking at is all those things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What the actual cycle looks like, all those types of things. When did the pain start? And really making sure that it is definitely period pain is number one. Or is it from something else? So not, that's important as well. Is it gut issues? Is it something else? Or if, if it's just hormonal stuff, then for young girls, it can be really easy. It can be really really easy. So make sure they've got enough nutrients. Whether it's you know, magnesium's a great one. Ma- majority of women are deficient in magnesium because our soil in Australia is depleted as all hell. Magnesium is a great one, especially okay. for young girls. Um, we're growing at that phase as well. I think we all forget that young girls at the age of 12, 13, and we're starting to get our period, we're still growing. So we're needing all the the nutrients and then we're bleeding. So we're losing a lot of nutrients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at the really basic level without complicating things, we're losing a lot of nutrients. If we're exercising all the time, we're running around, you know, we're carrying on all the things and now we've started bleeding. So we're losing double the amount of nutrients that we would have had in the, in the start. So absolutely. We're going, to, we're going to maybe experience a little bit more pain. So I'd be looking at magnesium or vitamin B6 if there's a lot of mood swings and things like that as well. So that's just a really basic foundational level is making yeah. sure they've got enough nutrients and iron deficiency as well. Yes. Yeah. Are you eating enough iron? Is there any type of iron deficiency as well? So that'd be the three key nutrients that I'd be looking at for young girls that age that would be experiencing that. Before, Mm -hmm. obviously, prescribing, always making sure, is that what that person actually needs? Is that going to be the biggest moving factor is really important? But those would be the key things, making sure they're eating enough food because one thing that we do see and what happens as women before our period is there's that increase in cytokines. So they're they're called inflammatory cytokines, and that's normal. That's a normal response in the body that happens for women um, before our period is having an increased inflammation. Yeah, totally Mm -hmm. normal. Yeah. Totally normal. Yeah. But if we're undernourished, if we're over exercising, if we're stressed out, you know, maybe if there's reproductive issues actually going on or there's a bit of a hormonal imbalance, then that's going to cause an increased um, level of inflammation in the body. So it makes sense that she's having pain and so on and so forth. Right. Mm-hmm. So looking at those things really important. That's where I would start um, in that regard is getting her to one, track your cycle, yeah, track all your signs and symptoms track mm-hmm. your bleed, what does it look like, what colors of blood, is there clotting, you know, have you got any cervical mucus during the month, and tracking all these things is really important and getting into the routine and habit of that because that's yeah. going to help the practitioner that you're working with. Yeah. 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 Do, you,
0: do you have any apps or anything that you recommend for people to track cycles?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Number one is Read Your Body, really, really good one. Read Your Body is a really good one. Um, One thing that I get all my clients to do, whether you're young and you're trying to avoid pregnancy, you're learning to connect to your body, you're wanting to, uh, even if you're wanting to conceive, is temperature tracking. So one thing that I teach all my clients is temperature tracking. So this is such a fabulous way to track your ovulation. So this is going to help you avoid pregnancy and or help with fertility as well, if if that's your goal. I did that.
3: Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I did that to 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 conceive a baby girl.
1: Ah, amazing. And obviously yeah. worked by the sounds yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah, it did.
3: yeah. And it, and it was it was mm-hmm. I did a lot of research back then and yeah. specifically made sure that I had intersect in inter, intersex I was going to say intercourse at that <laughs> at those times of. Yeah. it does work.
0: It yeah. Does. yeah, perfect. I I can literally feel myself ovulate like, like I know yeah. exactly that moment that egg yeah, sound of my the follicle in my ovary. I can feel it. You know, yeah. it's so
3: good to hear you say this stuff, Natasha. Because I I turned sixty this year, and I feel like I'm thirty five anyway. I've been a naturalist a long, long time, but to hear a young woman talking about this now, God, it just makes my heart sing. You know, because we mm-hmm. it's like we deserted this natural part of the way that we live to have this busyness and you know the world supports. This is just my assumption. The systems support this go go go, and so people are on these treadmills and don't know how to turn the the button off. And and then they're scared if they turn the button off that they're not going to be able to survive. And yet, you know, sometimes it takes a um, a health crisis to get us to change our mind about something, and we really don't want that to happen. Yeah. Yep.
1: And that's the unfortunate part is that I do see clients maybe at that later stage of chronic illness or maybe they've been to GPs, maybe they've been to specialists and they haven't got the answers and they're at that sort of late end phase, like this has to work. This is my last option. And that's what I see with a lot of clients when they do come to me, that they are at that point. And then it's like, okay, well, you've got to change a lot of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean doing it all at once, but it does mean that you're gonna have to really change up and clean up your lifestyle and start trying some new things, you know, learning to track your cycle and these types of things through temperature tracking. So you can come off contraception and feel confident, know that you're not going to get pregnant, know when to have sex and when not to have sex. These types of practices are just so important. And clients, all my clients now that have, you know, graduated from working with me all track their cycle. Not one of them's fallen pregnant that didn't want to. There's been conception. There's been all the good things. And it's just such a great skill when we're talking about temperature tracking to. Increase that confidence around your cycle when you do come off contraception. Because one big gap that I see is a lot of women don't want to come off it because they're like, I don't want to fall pregnant. I'm like, great. You can only actually fall pregnant about maybe five or six days of the month if you're lucky. So don't stress. You're all good. You can still have sexual intercourse. You can use condoms. You can use all these things, or you can just abstain from um, ejaculation during the, your fertile window. And it's that simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah, no. The empowerment piece as well for us to be able to have that choice, and you know, it's not just us forced on the pill because it's easier for our partner or whatever yep. the case yeah. may be. And plus, it's it's actually more pleasurable when you when you
3: do that tracking. You listen, you listen to your body mm. better. Yeah, you know, yeah. again, you've got to break away from what we've been conditioned to
0: believe, or that we're there to be serviced. Yeah. I'm just reading this book called Pussy. Have you girls read it? Yeah, Tanya has. Yeah. It's the best. And it's, it's all about reconnecting to that part of you and like listening to actually what you want. And because, you know, as a woman, we, yeah, you don't want sex in that last week before your period. (laughs) Generally, like I don't, but you know, mid, mid month, it's like, come on, let's go. Or, you know, early on straight after your period and all that sort of stuff. So I actually find it during my period. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just really important, and I've been like verbalizing it since reading this book. Been verbalizing it to Joel, and you know, been verbalizing what I've like learned about the clitoris and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, let's like figure this out. We're not just going to have sex just because you want to, and I'm not going to not have an orgasm or whatever. And we've been talking about this conversation with the kids too, like starting early having conversations with them because I don't want my girls to get to 40 and be like, oh, really? I had a choice to say no or choice about what my body was doing or I could listen to my body. You know, I'm literally going to have this conversation with Eloise soon about tracking her period, getting onto that app, doing all those things. Yeah. It's starting Empowering to empower, too. Yeah. Empowering her now. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And even if, you know, we're, we're talking about young kids, but us as well, like 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, who cares where you are? Like really start listening to your body. It's never too late. And yeah, you, you can have good health. That's what I want to say too. Like we don't have to live with chronic disease. Definitely. Oh my gosh, we so need to have you back, Natasha. We haven't even touched on
2: hormones. I so want to talk about hormones <laughs> in different stages of our lives. Um, yeah, so But we we are running out of time, so we're going to have to get you back on.
3: (laughs) I've got just a question. Mm -hmm. I want to know for our audience um, how you offer your services. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. please share.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I work a little bit differently to your typical naturopath. So in a typical sort of naturopathic model or other practitioners, you'll just go to a a naturopath and go consult and then rebook your next consult and so on and so forth. However, a lot of the clientele that I attract are clients that do have chronic issues that are wanting support longer term and that do need that support longer term. So I utilize programs with a lot of majority of my clients. Um, Then they've got more access to me. They're not waiting until that next consult. So that's the difference between, you know, the typical Western model and and what I offer is they've got that support. They've got that accountability. They've got weekly check-ins. They've got me in a messaging app if they're, you know, what's what's the best option of this or I'm experiencing this, what's happening, so on and so forth. So you can actually get the results in real time rather than having to wait three weeks to your next consultation or having to wait until the next time that they see me to ask, you know, little questions here and there. So that's the difference between me and say a typical sort of naturopath or health practitioner as I work in programs. So I work with clients usually for a minimum 12 weeks, most majority of the time. Um, I still do consults here and there for people that maybe don't need that. But Mm -hmm. usually I work with clients for a minimum of a 90 day period. And that's when I see clients get the most results because they've got the accountability. They've got someone there to support them along the way. When in that first phase of any health change is you do need that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times you can invest money into things and you don't actually do it. Yes. Or, or you don't actually implement the things because I can give you all the tools and resources, but if you don't have that accountability and support, then I've seen clients just fall off Yeah, in, yeah. When, in yes. the past when I did a little bit differently. So typically over a 12 over week period, I work with clients for whatever specific health concern that they have, and they've got access to my education portal. So a big pillar of my business is education because mm-hmm. I want clients to leave or graduate uh, working with me with the knowledge and understanding of how to track their cycle, basics of gut health, you know, nutrition, all these things that we've spoken about today, that they can go away and they've actually got the knowledge there that they can pass it on to their kids and their kids can pass it on to their kids and so on and so forth. Because that's that's the real healing that I want to create is that generational wisdom that's being passed on through women because that's what we're missing. Yeah, passing on the wisdom of menopause, passing on the wisdom of fertility and childbirth and passing on the wisdom of, You know, adolescence and getting your period and avoiding pregnancy and all these things that in the past was a normal thing to talk about. However, now it's been really taboo, or we don't talk about sexual health, or we don't talk about you know sexually sexually transmitted diseases, or you know vaginal health, or all these different things that we just don't talk about. So Mm -hmm. that's why I've created the education portal there, so you can learn as you go along the way. So you're not so you're not just healing your issues; that you're also actually upgrading and up-leveling yourself and your health knowledge as a woman. So you can pass that on to other people because that's, that's my, that's my biggest piece in my business is education. So that's why I do it in that way. So women can actually just become superhuman and pass it on to their offspring and, mm-hmm. and can have a more natural society and women that don't have reproductive issues. Yay.
0: Incredible. That sounds, yeah, definitely for the client, that model. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So
1: how that. do they find you? Yeah. So you can find me on my main portal is Instagram. Um, it's just at Natasha Godfrey underscore, or you can find me on Facebook, just Natasha Godfrey. Or alternatively, if you want to dive into more free content, I've got my free Facebook group, which is women's health secrets just on Facebook. Um, you can join that. And if you're wanting to learn more in-depth knowledge, um, in comparison to the Instagram or the Facebook posts, Um, It's all in there and we jump on live every now and again um, to give you some gold nuggets along the way.
0: Perfect. Beautiful. And we'll have all those links in the show notes so you can connect with Natasha if you feel called to do that. Um, It's been such a pleasure and we will have you back on again because there is only so much information we can talk about in one hour. Yeah. (laughs) Never long enough. Yeah. So thanks thanks for coming on. That was fabulous. Okay, we'll uh, wrap it up and we'll speak to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for being part of this Soul Sister Conversation. It would mean the world to us if you like and share this podcast with your own Soul Sisters. Follow the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you are so inspired, leave a review. All suggestions and questions are welcome and you can drop them in the Facebook group. Thank you, beautiful souls.